my faith has been such a driving force and such a motivation to what I do because it gives me the life. It is the drive. Like literally I have my very being in my faith. It's my faith that has, I can somewhat say has given me the confidence to be who I am. I'm like, I'm so rooted and grounded in my faith that like you, you hear it in my poetry. Welcome to That's What She Said, the podcast for empowering women. My name is Lucienne Shakir, and as a female empowerment specialist, I'm a woman who knows what it's like to lose their mind through a lacking of female sense of self and identity. My aim is to share stories from women around the world to help you see that you are not on your own. If you feel that you are lost in the sea of who am I, these collections of conversations conversations are for you. Sit back and enjoy listening to this phenomenal collective of female voices in That's What She Said. This week on That's What She Said, I have the absolute pleasure of speaking with poetess Jess, Jessica Anastasia, who is a phenomenal spoken word artist, studied at the Guildhall School of Music and Drama, has performed at the MOBO Awards and is a phenomenal inspiration for those who want to give soul and meaning and purpose to their poetry. I had a bit of an education in this episode, I'll have to say, and she gives an example of her spoken word and it blew me away so i really hope you enjoy this episode it was an absolute pleasure please enjoy poetess jess today i'm absolutely thrilled to welcome jessica Anastasia Edgar, otherwise known as Poetess Jess for many of us who are listening who've met Poetess Jess over the last few months because she has just blown up in all sorts of different spheres. Um, Poetess Jess is a phenomenal inspiration for so many people. Jess, I'm going to let you just introduce yourself. Who are you? Um, Where are you? And what do we need to know about you? Hi guys. So I am, yes, Jessica Anastasia Edgar, also known as the one and only Poetess Jess. I am a spoken word artist. I'm actually a faith-based spoken word artist, but I have branched into motivational speaking and yeah, I felt like there was so much other things to speak about other than faith. Um, So I currently just graduated from the Guildhall School of Music and Drama. Uh, Yes, it was the longest three years of my life. After saying that I would never go to university, I ended up in one of the most um, amazing, you know, drama conservatoires in the UK. Um, Where am I based? I am based in London, Essex. Yes, little old Essex. And what do I do? So yeah, I'm a spoken word artist. Um, I've been on the Mobos. I've been featured on Younger TV. I've been featured quite a lot. I think that my current blow up has been on Clubhouse. Um, being named the Clubhouse Poet. Um, It has applied pressure, but it's also got me working and what I'm doing. Um, 
Do you know, because so, I think sometimes we can get so complacent where we are so that we kind of stop. You know, we know that we're good at doing spoken word um, or we know that we're, we know that we're good at our craft. So it can sometimes cause us to stop what we're doing because we know we can deliver. And then you just, you know, you come so comfortable in discomfort. But I think being on Clubhouse um, and going into different rooms and people just bringing me up, oh, Jess, I want you to do spoken word, has motivated me to just to write, just to continue to write. Um, I kind of get a feeling of what people are after also. So a lot of people want the uplifting, the encouraging, the motivational. So I try, my um, spoken word has been geared towards that of late, of recent, while being on Clubhouse since, I believe it was December 2020 that I joined. Um, and since then, yeah, it's just been such an amazing experience. I've contacted with so many people, network, something that I'm crap at doing. I do not know how to network. That has always been my biggest, like, pet peeve when I go out to places, um, especially, like, I think one of the things that i done was uh, the Marketing Society and it had, like, Cancer Research, IBM, Google, all these places. And, you know, you sit amongst these great people, chief executives, and then you have to, after you've done your spoken word, you know, you've actually got to go out there and be like, hi, yeah, this is what I do. Even though they've seen what you've done. And I'm, as much as it sounds, I'm a very um, closed person. Like, I'm very, like... I, w- I want to say antisocial. I'm very much like, yeah, let me just sit on my phone and, you know, everybody else do the networking. Um, but I know people see me on Clubhouse or they've seen me on TV or YouTube or Instagram and they're like, oh my gosh, she's so confident. She's got such a big voice. She's vibrant. But actually off the mic, I'm very like, very silent. So I, I, I say the bare minimum. So networking was actually one of my fears because I just didn't know how to do it but um clubhouse just being in the presence of people has taught me how to network um how to tell pitch who I am and what I do and it's been such a great help it's been yeah it's been magnificent yeah and you are magnificent so uh, I remember meeting you quite early on and I want to dig a little bit deeper into um this notion of like the confidence because it's something that I talk about a lot and and I'm sure you've heard me talking about it quite a lot you have this amazing educational background with the conservatoire with with what you've gone through the last three years um you're on clubhouse and I remember hearing you in one of the first rooms that I heard you in and there was definitely a difference in comparison to how I hear you today showing up on that platform. And I'm just wondering what what has helped you in giving yourself that permission to be a lot more vocal on those on those channels? Because I've, I don't know, am I am I imagining that I've seen this growth journey of Poetess Jess or have I have I seen that in the last few months? No, you definitely have. And I have definitely seen it also. I think I'm, do you know what? For the longest time I used to go, I went through this, and I go through it still of like comparing myself to different artists. Um, And what I find in the creative industry is that because, or in the spoken word industry rather, is that, where it's so small and now spoken word is actually becoming a big thing. So, you know, you've got, you co-op nationwide. Um, 
uh, O2, they use them. They're now using spoken word artists to promote their products, to promote their work. And so it's so small, but it's growing. And what it is is that everybody now wants to be somebody. Everybody wants to have like a voice in what they're doing. Everybody's trying to change the face of poetry. And I always thought for a while that, yeah, I do spoken word, but I didn't ever think that I was really good at it and I would always compare myself I didn't think that you know I had enough wordplay I didn't think like I, I, did, I just thought I was different I just didn't think that people would be interested in what I do and you know you people you have this saying you know you're not everybody's cup of tea you're not going to be for everybody not everybody's going to like you and I always when I go into public spaces that's always I, I don't know if that's a negative or a positive because it could be a negative, like, yeah, it may bring me down, but I use it to sort of fuel what I do, as in, all right, you may not know about poetry now, but you're going to know about poetry today, sort of thing. But I always compared myself to other artists. I didn't think that I was great at what I do, but what it is is that I it's so easy to, it's like I could have a thousand people say, oh my gosh, you're great, you're amazing, you're this and you're that, um, like you've motivated me, you've encouraged me, but then you can always, it's always that one comment that can really bring you all the way down. And I've had a few of those one comments that have brought me down. So I never really pushed at what I did. So I was very, so when I, so when I came onto Clubhouse, because all of my other social media platforms were under the name Poetess Jess, I thought, let me just pull it as poetess Jess. Not that I'm going to go there and do spoken word. Maybe I might go into the... I, I just really wanted to see what Clubhouse was about. I didn't really have an intention to come onto Clubhouse and be a sort of thing. Um, so even when I did come on Clubhouse and I went on to, you know, I went into the spoken word rooms, the poetry rooms, um, I always listened to people and I was like, oh my gosh, that person's good. I'm not that great. Like... And they would bring me up because they saw the name Poetess. And it's already, yeah, you're in a spoken word room, Poetess. We want you want to hear what, you're, what you've got. And I remember the first time that I went into a room and I'd done um, a, a poem and people were really blown away. And I think it was, you know, we're in lockdown, so we can't really see people's expressions, but we can hear them. And I think hearing people what people had to say and I, I think people were even crying it was like I s reflected I examined myself and I was like wow Jess you probably are and I think in time what I started to do I started to own my craft like if this is what people are saying you know they say um if you can't beat them join them and I think that's what I did I started I just joined people like then if this is what they're saying then <laughs> it must be true because everyone's saying it so I've, I got to a place where I accepted, Jess, if you're going to have a craft that you specialise in, you've got to work it to your fullest. You've got to own it. You, you've got to own, like, you, you, you've got to own it. And I think that's what I've started. Clubhouse has given me the authority, should I say, to own my craft. So when I go into these rooms now, I don't go in second guessing, like, mm, am I good? I go in like, yeah, this is what I do. I'm the greatest. And now I've even got into the habit of waking up and saying, you're the greatest spoken word artist. You're you're going to make history. You're going to be the next Maya Angelou. Like I affirm myself in my craft. And I think affirming myself and, you know, hearing the affirmations that people have told me, I'm believing it. I'm owning it. You are the greatest spoken word artist. It doesn't matter what 
anybody says and no one now can move me from that even if you don't like what I say or what I do you can't move me from that because I've become so rooted and grounded in owning what I've done and building my platform you can't take that away from me so you have seen a change and it's only because I'm coming I've grown into it in the beginning I was like uh, I was very hesitant so when I came into your rooms Lucia and, and when I came into rooms like you know the breakfast club and stuff like breakfast with winners when I came into those rooms I was not confident because I didn't know I didn't know if people even liked poetry and I think with poetry as well there's been such a a disservice to it because people have this whole notion of Shakespeare they have this whole notion of you know the Americans uh you know open the door close the door I'm so confused like they have that whole notion and I think I come with a whole different revelation of what poetry is I don't do poetry like normal and I've accepted that just you're not a normal spoken word artist you don't do it like how the other poets do it you do it how you do it and I've heard that I do it how how different I am and I and I just I own it Lucia and I really own it I do I own it yeah you own it you're in, you're incredible and it's it's amazing I mean in the line of work that I do and and I'm not exempt from this Jess so like there'll be there'll be people who say like you're really good at something and you don't necessarily believe it yourself and you saying how you need to own it and you need to step into it and giving yourself the permission to do that there's there's a, a change in energy where you take ownership of that and you know just as somebody who observes people all the time observing your growth has just been phenomenal um I want to I wanted to pick you up on you said you probably are like Jess yeah you probably are you're going into these rooms you probably are and then you stopped yourself and then you went into this flow of conversation and your energy picked up just then and and then you were talking about being the greatest spoken word artist and I, I wanted you to finish that sentence. Yeah, Jess, you probably are dot, 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 because you stopped yourself, but then you went <laughs> into this conversation of being the greatest spoken word artist. So what probably are you, Jess? I'm probably the best. I'm probably going to be a legend. I'm probably going to make history. Like, I'm probably going to be known in the four corners of the earth. Like, I'm going to be internationally known on the microphone. Like, that is my deepest desire I don't like I don't it's not that I don't want to be a celebrity I don't want to be famous I want to be known for what I do do you know what I mean I want that when I my words change mm, and transform yes. people their everyday life I don't want I don't you know we have Instagram and you know Instagram Facebook they they use captions I don't want my my, my lyrics just to be another Instagram post or an Instagram caption. I really want it to be a life-changing movement. I want that when you hear what I have to say, life is changed. Do you know what? You think about what you deep your whole life and you're like, no, I've got to do something about it. So I probably, I am going to be the greatest. I, I really am. Like I'm owning that with my whole chest. I really am. <laughs> yes. I love it. I absolutely love it. I love it, Jess. It's so powerful. I'm smiling from ear to ear. Just the the energy is infectious. It's amazing. Um, you mentioned your faith. It's something that we've not actually covered on on any of the the um, interviews so far, which is is quite interesting actually in its own right. Is the faith that you have driving you? How does your faith fit with what you bring to the world? Do you know what? 
my faith is my before I am a poet before I am poetess Jess, I am Christian. I'm a child of God. And I think, you know, when I started spoken word, um, I started it in the church. I started using and speaking what I had to say in churches. Um, before I got onto any platform, my platform was church. So, and uh, a lot of scripture. So even in my spoken word, people don't even know I quote scripture, but they're like, oh my gosh, I use Bible to encourage. I'm not one of those heavy Bible bashing. No, how, if I can, like we said, we have this um, Bible verse that says life and death is in the power of your tongue. Yeah. What a man thinks, so is he. You know, the, all of these things I use to affirm myself. So whatever I think about myself, that's what I am. So that's why I can say to you, Lucien, I am going to be the greatest because my Bible says to me that what I think is what I am. It's like they say, you are what you eat. And I believe what a man thinks, so is he. Life and death. If I continue to speak this life, if I continue to affirm myself, I, that is definitely what I'm going to be. The Bible says that I need to write down the vision, make it plain. So I write, I write my hopes, I write my dreams, I make it plain. And it tells me if the vision tarries, it's going to tarry a while, but it's going to come to pass. So I write down all of these things. So my faith has been such a driving force and such a motivation to what I do because it gives me the life. It is the drive. Like literally, I have my very being in my faith. It's my faith that has... I can somewhat say has given me the confidence to be who I am. I'm like, I'm so rooted and grounded in my faith that like you, you hear it in my poetry. You hear it. I go, I, I go into a lot mm -hmm. of rooms and people mm. are like, Oh, you must be a Christian. Well, yeah, I am a Christian. <laughs> you can hear it in my, you can hear it in my spoken word. You can hear it because it's all built on encouraging people, loving on people, motivating, speaking life into people. That is what I want to do. And so my, Bible encourages me, my faith encourages me to speak life into people. And that's exactly what I'm doing, speaking, speaking life. Yeah. Mm, amazing, Jess. Um, wow. Okay. I've got so many questions rumbling around in my mind. I mean, have you ever considered that you might be the first person that some of these people have heard even giving spoken word? Like that you might be the first experience that somebody's had of spoken word, especially on those new platforms. I mean, how incredible is that? There, I think Clubhouse has actually taught me that. Um, I've had people say to me that, again, they were not interested in spoken word and that they've never heard of spoken word. But until they heard me, it's like a whole a whole flip. I've had people that have reached out to me that said they want to work with me because they've heard my spoken word and they felt so inspired. Now they want to write. I've had people say to me, I want to now write a book based on what you've like, based on what I've said. So I, I always bear in mind, I might be the first and last spoken word poet that they ever come into contact with. So you've got to get them while you've got them. Get them while you've got them. <laughs> and, and that is something that I always have in the, in the front of my mind. If I know that I'm in a big room and I, I'm like, okay, yep, yeah, Jess, they're going to call you to do spoken word. Get them while you've got them. Have take that opportunity to share your like, to to sell yourself. Take that opportunity to sell yourself. And how do you do that? Sell that in your craft. So you know you're great at spoken word, or you know that you're good at it. Go in there with fire, with force, with energy and give it to them. 
And I, that's it. That's and that's what I've been doing. Literally, since I've been on Clubhouse, that's exactly what I've been doing. That that question, great question, because that's what that's been at the forefront of my mind. That I might be the first and last spoken word. So you mm-hmm. know what? Get them while you've got them, Jen. And yeah. Yeah, amazing. Are there ever times where you don't want to perform? Are you always poetess, Jess? Or are there times where you're like, you know what, this isn't right for me right now? So self-care is such is so vital in life. Um I think when I I think when I got when I became poetess Jess and I became poetess Jess in 2018 um I think there's certain things that you have to do to build your brand so you know you've got to go to open open mic nights um you've got to go to certain events sometimes you've got to volunteer you you kind of got to give yourself just to make a name for yourself you've kind of got to do the hard work um and that's in spite of you know me going to you know going to the guild hall and having that name behind me you've got to build a brand. So I built a brand of spoken, of being poetess, Jess. I got myself out there and it was exhausting. It was tiring, but it was rewarding at the same time. Um, And I think I found myself, I found myself taking breaks and I found myself taking breaks, not because it was intentional, but because I thought I wasn't good enough. So they weren't in, that's the breaks that I took. But of late, I've learned about self-care. Now, self-care has been a thing um, since the pandemic because, you know, mental health and stuff like that. And being on Clubhouse, oh, my gosh, it it got to a point where I was like, no, Jess, sometimes you have to say no. Your yes, your no to yourself cannot be Mm -hmm. a yes to somebody else sometimes say saying no is mm-hmm. so I went on a, a break so I was on clubhouse but I wasn't going on stage and I know a lot of people um were inboxing me I haven't seen you on clubhouse or I've um have I done something to you why I refused going on the stage and I just had to say sometimes you need to take time out just to to recharge it's like um your phone battery you know your phone, I don't know if people have iPhones, but you know iPhones gives you that warning. It gives you, you know, you're at 20%. If you have the battery mode on, it tells you the percentage of life that you have. So you need to know when to charge, when to recharge, when to take time out for yourself. And of late, I have really been taking time out for myself. I've also learned that not everyone can have access to you. Having at people, when you allow people to have access to you, it really devalues who you are as an individual and people take you for granted. So I've learned that not everyone also can have access to me. So I've learned the self-care part of you need to recharge. And now I'm learning not everyone can have access. Um, and I'm putting I'm putting the two together. I'm taking time out for myself. And also understanding that if you continue to, you know, give yourself to people, people will take you for granted. People will misuse you and people will just get you because they know you will say yes. And what it becomes is now you've become, it's like now you've gone past people pleasing. Now you're being used because they say that you're going to say yes. So I've learned to say no only because I know my price. I know my worth. Um, and it's part of self-care, self-worth, self-respect. Um, 
self-esteem, all the selves, you kind of got to bring them, you've got to kind of wear them as an artist. Yes, it's good having a following and having a brand and building a brand, but sometimes you, you there's got to be peace. Sometimes you've got to say no and you've got to relax and you've got to know your worth. And all of that has become known to me using the app. So I'm learning, I'm learning, I'm relearning and I'm unlearning as I use this app. Every day is something different. But um, in all, totally, I've, I've been taking breaks to recharge and I've been taking breaks because I've understood that not everyone can have access to me. And um, yeah, <laughs> I hope that helps. Yeah, your your answers are just phenomenal. I, I'm sat here. I could listen to you all day long. Um, but yeah, um, so something that um, I was given this year, which I absolutely loved, was The Hill We Climb um, by Amanda Gorman. And she really did set the bar. She is a, a young black woman speaking poetry at the inaugural um speech you know and and in the USA very young very young female so there's a few things there she's young she's female she's black and she's she's speaking poetry in the states um in front of you know millions of people um and I found her I found her really inspiring and I think in terms of looking towards somebody who's really inspired me when it comes to spoken word there are people like her and yourself and there's there's a few others that I'm really drawn towards is there anybody who's inspired your um creation is it just Jess or are there things that you draw from other than faith people that you look up to that you you pull their energy into your work um so to be totally honest with you, in the beginning, I hate I, I was I hated poetry. I, I wasn't. A lot of poets love poetry. I'm not a poet that loves poetry. It sounds so bad, but I I just didn't get down with that whole. I know the whole. I saw the whole Def Jam poetry. I just didn't get down with it in the beginning. I was just like, oh, it's too much. It, it was too much. So I never ever. <laughs> I didn't. I was inspired by grime music. So my cousin is a grime artist, mm-hmm. um, Kano. If you, know, if you know, watch Top Boy, he's Sully. And I was always inspired to be a grime artist. That's what I wanted to do. Um, especially in like, uh, so I'm 29. So when I was in school in like 2005, 2000, like secondary school era, um, grime music was on the rise. It was like a big thing and it was an East London thing. So it was an underground thing. So it was like, wow. And, you know, you saw, it was like, you heard the substance, you heard the wordplay, every literary, de- little, literary device, you heard it. And I was so fascinated by that. And I wanted to be the next grime I never saw women doing it. I never saw girls doing it. So it's something that I pushed to do. And it was something more that I pushed to do because at um, break time at school, you know, you would see the guys get together. They would play an instrumental. And, you know, one by one, it was like, you know, it was spit bars. They would spit bars those days. And they would be on the, and they would just be spitting bars and they would go around in a circle. And I just, found it so fascinating so I remember I was like yeah that's what I'm gonna do 
that's me. Yeah, Jess is going to be the next grandma. I'm not seeing girls do it in my school. I didn't see girls do it on the TV. And back then on Sky, um, they had a channel called Channel U. And Channel U was where you would get the latest grime artists, the latest grime songs or the instrumentals. You would go to Channel U, watch it. You would learn the lyrics. You would come back. And when you heard the lyrics, it was like, yeah, yeah. So everyone would be screaming it. So I'm like, this is what I need to do. And I remember I would write, I would practice. And I remember one lunchtime, I was about to, you know, get down with the guys and do spoken word and, you know, spit bars on the beat. And when it got to me, uh, it flopped. It was the biggest flop ever. I couldn't do it on beat. It did not make no sense. Like I was practicing and I I mean, I had weeks, like nobody knew that I was going to come and spit bars. So it was like, you know, you want to give people a shock of their life. Like, yeah, Jess is coming. So when I did turn up and I was in the circle already, uh, I was... Man, when I mean my self-esteem went out the window, like it knocked my confidence. It really knocked my confidence. And I think that's why I I had growing up such a hard time. Like when I got into this whole spoken word thing, comparing myself, because I knew that when I did have the chance to, you know, to show myself, it flopped, it went wrong. So that is why I went through a phase of comparing myself to other artists because I had an experience that traumatized me that, you know, knocked my confidence. So I was in, so I'm inspired by grime music. So it's what happened, what it was, was that because I couldn't um, spit bars on a beat, I said to myself, let me do it a cappella. And I didn't know that there was a whole world of poetry. I didn't know, I turned it around, I literally, Lucien, I turned it upside down. You know, when you've got to take a disadvantage and make it an advantage, you've got to turn things in your favor. And I turned it in my favour. Yeah, I, yeah. If I can't do it on beat, I'm going to definitely do it off beat. So I made it a thing where I've done it off beat. And now that I've made it off beat, I found that there was this thing called spoken word poetry. I remember my friend, I told my friend about it. And then she sent me a link and she sent me a link to these um, poets in America. And they were Christian poets and they were called P4CM. Now they're called Poets in Autumn. And when I saw what they'd done, I was like, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. That is me. And I tried not to, um, to, to, to really study them because what happens is when you really study people, you become, you begin to sound like them and then you begin to mimic them. And I didn't really want to mimic anybody. I wanted to have my own voice. And when this whole world of poetry opened up to me and I heard other people spoken word, I was like, oh, this is annoying because we have UK people trying to sound American. People have the same cadence. There's a sound that this UK poetry have that I really wanted to shift from. And I wanted to have my own voice. So I tried not to really study different artists. It's only now that, like literally now in this pandemic that I'm looking at other artists and other people doing what I do and and I'm looking at them just to hear what they have to say, not to copy them, but to hear what they have to say and how they say it. And how can I now change it? Because my whole thing now is how can I change what people are doing? So, yeah, we're all talking about the same thing, but how can I make it my own? How can I make it poetess Jesses? So um, my influence really comes from grime. It comes from not being able to spit on beat and turning it on its head and making it a cappella. That's where my so grime music, the grime era is 
is totally me. So when you hear me, so a lot of people, when they hear what I, what I say, um, I get a lot of uh, DMs saying, oh my gosh, that was an amazing rap. And I'm like, guys, it's not a rap, it's actually a spoken word, but you know, that's what I wanted to do in the beginning. So <laughs> it works in my favour. It really works in my favour. <laughs> So yeah, that I love that. Me. Oh my goodness me, you've been been taken on that journey where you you stepped in and it and it flopped and you used that to your advantage. I think that's I think that's something that so many people can resonate with, um, especially in that journey journey of making it. You know where we've used those trial and errors, and when it's not worked, I'm just going to ask you a really random question. So something I've always been fascinated by is that off the cuff response you talked about spitting beats and you talked about how I mean I don't I'm so ungrime it's unreal like I've I've culturally I love my music right and I love but I, I would say probably that grime is the area of music that I know very very little about I know a lot about a lot of other music but grime is definitely a bit of a gray area for me for sure um when when you see people rapping and competing and off the cuff spitting what they do how often is that pre-prepared stuff and how often is that like when I'm thinking like I know Jay-Z isn't grime by the way but when I look at Jay-Z and I've heard him off the cuff and it's just phenomenal like how often do people do that are there many people who can do it without preparation yeah so it's a it is it is a gift and not everyone can not everyone can do it um but it's all about how much time you invest in your craft um so when you see people that can just freestyle from the top of their head it's because they've invested in their craft for years um they didn't take breaks when I when I research and even when I hear like my cousins and you know all of these grime artists like D Double E, um, Lethal Bizzle, Chipmunk, um, Stormzy, it's because they they've not just been doing the, they didn't just appear like you know sometimes we see us I'm like oh my gosh where did they come from they've been it's been blood sweat and tears. Um, you know, when I look at the history of grime music, like these people, they were doing it long before they were on, on TV, before they were, you know, filming what they were doing, even when they would just film themselves on phones or on video, video recorders or cassettes or tapes, like they were doing it. They were up at night rehearsing. So now that they're, they're, they're at a, place in their life where they're veterans where they can just wheel it off their tongue because they've made such an investment and I know sometimes a lot of the time I know um for me what I had to do because there's sometimes I can do it off the cuff sometimes I, I can be off the cuff I remember I don't know if you know Warren um Warren Inspire who's on Clubhouse we had an Instagram live and we were going back and forth and it's about tr training yourself training yourself it's all about about training I know a lot of people that um and and for me myself is that when I started spoken word I didn't write it down on paper it was a lot of it was in my head so I learned to memorize things in my head and it's only now that I'm actually getting it on paper or I'm writing it on um, my laptop and transcribing it there and then but a lot of it came by just memorizing things in my head and 
uh, it's also about being witty. How witty are you? Can we, and and not being scared to, to flop. Because sometimes we've got to get it wrong or sounding silly. So I think when you're open to such things like sounding silly um, and it not rhyming and stuff like that, it makes it more authentic and it makes it, you become better because now you know not what to say and then you know what to say. And it's how, how quick can you think on your feet? Um, so I'm, I'm learning that trade. I'm learning that trade because I'm investing in myself in that part where I'm, I've literally, so over the, this course of this, for a while now, I've been looking at um, battle rap and just how they, they are back and forth at each other and how people, freestyle I've been looking at it and um of days I would just stand in the mirror and just say something completely stupid um but it's all about you know exposing yourself to sound stupid because you know you're not always going to get it right and yeah it's not always going to sound right so it's it's about that yeah so um I used to teach languages so my history is in languages and Teaching languages, it's really interesting. I once taught all girls and I taught all boys as well. And I taught in a, in a mixed school. And there was a real difference with girls wanting to get it right in their head before they actually said it out loud. Whereas with the boys, you see, I mean, this isn't, I don't know what academic research there is on this, but boys would definitely just say stuff and be prepared to get it wrong. And that's how we learn as kids, isn't it? We say it, we get it wrong, we repeat it, we do it again. And you mentioned like you didn't see anyone in that grime scene who who was female, who was leading the way. Fun fact, my mum taught Stormzy. So that's that's a that's a fun fact. <laughs> yeah, so she she's at the local college. So I'm from Northampton and he's from Northampton and she um she is the head of performing arts and she's got like the music team and all of that. And he came back to Northampton to give a talk recently and she's got a pic of her with her arm around him. That's probably the closest that I've gotten to the grime world so far. Um so yeah, fun fact. Um, yeah, but that like that having girls, having women who are trying it and getting it wrong. I wonder if there's something in that about women wanting to get it right before they actually say it. Do you think there's something in that? I I hundred percent agree. I totally agree. Even for myself, like. Um, and, and I still do it is that I would go into even like sometimes I go into like these little poetry rooms and they're very intimate, like intimate. They're very small. And like I hear people like. We, there's a thing that, that poets do that like we like to give a disclaimer of our work. I don't know why. We like, well, I know that I do because sometimes I just feel like people won't like my spoken word. So I always give a disclaimer, like, yeah, so da 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 da. But what I do is that I never like to share anything that's half done. I don't like. I it has to be. It it has to be totally right. It has to be correct, or I'm not sharing it at all. And I remember the first time that I shared an undone spoken word, and I was so like. My, I, the way my disclaimer was so my disclaimer was longer than the actual poem because I was like no guys like honestly like literally like this is just a work in progress we have to justify why it doesn't sound correct before we give it 
But after I'd done the spoken word, I just felt like, wow, like, oh my gosh. And I've learned. And then I, so I just done some, recently I just done work with um, Southwark Music. So I went to six different schools in the borough of Southwark. And we, we put a project about, I worked with year three, year four and year five. And like you were saying, girls are so prim and proper. They want to get it right. They have to be polished before they can go forth. Where guys are so open, boys are so open to being the class clown. Like they like to be laughed at. And um, mm-hmm. I, even when I look at my school mm-hmm. years, guys don't mind being the class clown. I don't know if the class clown's popular, but they don't, the guys don't mind being laughed at. You can't, when it comes to girls, you can't laugh at us. And I think it's, I don't know if it's like, there's an insecurity of being laughed at, but there is, I want to say, I, I don't, because I find it with all girls. So I don't want to say, oh, it's something that's in our childhood, but I do think that there is something that are, that um, we teach our kids, well, the, the girls, that we they have to be prim and proper. So like being laughed at is a bad thing. And in somewhat in cases it is, but depending on the circumstance, the situation at hand, sometimes being laughed at, because I always say, I always say this, that say for instance, if you get laughed at once, it will hurt you the first time. But if it happens again, it will never affect you how it did the first time. You'll get over it the second time because the first time was the first time it hurt you. So you can never be laughed at twice. That's how I say it. You can never be laughed at twice because the first time is always going to be the, the embarrassing time. The second time, it's already happened to you. So you can get up and, and we move. But it's always about the first time. But I do feel like as kids, they they, they, need, they need to explore that that class clown side of them. And I'm exploring it now in my big, like late twenties of being like a class clown. Yeah. Ha, ha, ha. Everyone laugh at me for getting it wrong. But I do feel like the younger generation need to have that. Yeah. Ha, ha, ha lot moment in their life because it does, it does, it does something to your confidence and your um, self-esteem as an adult. I think that that's why the confidence levels between um, boys and girls in their higher state, like in their older mature state is, is way different. So even now, like there are some, there are certain things that I wish happened to me as a child so that it built me as an adult. Am I making sense or am I just waffling? Um, I don't feel like that whole not being free. I don't feel like girl kids are free to be themselves so I think if I was more free as a child, or um, like even the incident of me being a uh, me wanting to do not being able to spit on beat. Now, if I, yes, I took it as an advantage, but in the time and in that moment, if I laughed along with people, and I didn't, um, you know, degrade my confidence. I don't think I would have, have had an issue. I wouldn't be comparing myself to people now. I wouldn't be comparing if I'm good or if I'm bad or if I'm able to do it now because of the experience that I had as a child. If I used that that experience to motivate me, like, yeah, what? And what? Yeah, we all muck up. If I used that then, I feel like I would be a lot further in what I am doing now. But I... 
But because of that experience, it held me back a lot because there was a lot of things that I didn't do. There were a lot of things that I didn't do, Lucien, because I was too afraid. Fear, that fear that happened, that little, I want. I don't want to say it's trauma, but I want to say it's trauma. That what happened back then affected me in my adult life. So I stopped myself from doing things. I stopped myself from accessing certain things because I was like, nope, I'm not good enough. I can't do it. So now I can't. I was subjected to my own bars. I was subjected to my, I can't, I can't because of a past experience. But if I embraced that moment as a, when it happened, I would be shooting. I would be shooting. But I allowed that moment to, to enter my, my present and hold me back. But it's only now that I'm in, you know, I boast in my in my weaknesses and I'm boasting in my failures because I understand that I have to use that fear to fuel my confidence. Do you get it? So, yeah, man, I, I feel like there's a lot of things. If kids were taught to embrace certain um, moments in their life, it would not, it won't affect them as, it won't affect them much growing up. But I do see that whole notion of girls um, having to have it right before they can bring forth, where guys were like, they're just laid back. Yep, I got it wrong. Ha, 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 everyone look at me. Because even when I worked in the school, I was like, there were year fives and like, they really, I'm not going to lie, they irritated the hell out of me. And there were some miss, there were some unruly kids that were there. And I had to be like, you can't come in my lesson and do that. Not today. And when I sent them out, they would be at the window doing this, like putting their, sticking their hands out and, you know, sticking their tongue out at the window. And everyone was laughing at them, not even with them, laughing at them, but they got, they embraced the moment. And I think if we could embrace moments when we fail or we feel like it's an embarrassing moment, it I'm telling you, we, you will soar because you've embraced it. If you use that embarrassing moment to fuel your self-esteem instead of, you know, allowing it to control you and hold you back, oh, gosh, man, the creative splur would be so, oh, it would be amazing. So, yeah, those are my few words on that. <laughs> so powerful. It's so powerful. I love it. I wanted to I wanted to ask you all sorts of things. Like there was so much on my list. I think that we've we've covered loads and we're going to be drawing to a close. Um the things that I wanted to talk about were things around identity and um oh, empowerment wow. and overcome overcoming adversity and like, you know, so maybe we can have you back in the second series. That would be really amazing. That would be so great. Yeah. Um I would like to know, would you like to show us a little something, just a little something for us to take away as a taster for people to go and have a look at your work? Because honestly, Jess's work is phenomenal. Um, is Are you feeling the the vibe of being able to, to yes, share some of I your... Am. So I'm going to do my club house. I'm going to do my clubhouse special. I'm going to do my clubhouse special. Um, so this is just... The, the, this is the, the poem that made me the Clubhouse poet on, um, on Clubhouse. So here we go. Did you know that you were graced for purpose? And everything that you went through in your life, you went through on purpose. Only for you to give birth to your purpose. You see you, Lucianne? You were designed for destiny. You were called to be mighty. You... 
You are a landmark of greatness. Your character is courageous. Your energy is contagious. Your mindset is blameless. Lucy and you are giving and gracious. You are not selfish, but you are selfless. And it's not that you do not think about yourself. You just think of yourself less. So get rid of all that heavy weight so that you can become weightless. Because Lucian, today you will understand that excess isn't needed for access. And please, close that final chapter in your life. You are not a book. You cannot be read, but you are the Kindle. You are the light to the flame. Just allow the Lord to light you like matches. The world can't match this because you, Lucian, you are matchless. And please, stop going back to see if they finally understand you. If they didn't understand you back then and you've grown, why would they understand you now when you've come into your own? Lucy and dust off your crown, go sit on your throne. Because you, you are the star that everyone is wishing on. It's your hour, it's your season, and your set time has come. So please, Lucian, before you quit, Remember why you started. Remember why you lit your flame and remember why you sparked it. Remember why your peak is still worth climbing and why you can't stop and why you've got to keep on striving. Remember everything happens in God's timing. It's all about aligning and appointed timing. It's so easy for you to walk away because you feel like you're being left behind in your own lane. You keep swerving from lane to lane and now you find yourself in the watchman's lane. You sit and watchman's lane. You probably can't pass memory lane. What a shame. Maybe you've slipped, maybe you've tripped. Sometimes you can't even pass it. But we all can't pull, call it the past because we haven't passed it. And then we mask it. But I'm so happy that life today Life today is going to come and give you a slap in the face Only for you to touch base with yourself Because you've been sleeping on yourself But listen Don't ever let your setbacks set you back And if you take a blow You better blow back Let your setbacks know that they're never going to blow back Know that Know that your mind is like soil And whatever seed you plant will unfold I've been told that the very trees They lose their leaves only to blossom in the summer That means you, Lucien you are on the come up. Just realign. Growing from the ground up, you are a vine. Stop focusing on life the wrong way. Focus on your finish line. See, your race is not their race. So stop comparing your beginning to somebody else's middle. Lanes are parallel and guess what? We're all just in the middle. Don't ever think that your failure is defeat. Do not ever think that your progress is little. Do not choose to be defeated because you are not an inconvenience. What you are is a convenience undefeated. And if I can get you to believe this, then lesson one is completed. In fact, Lucien, repeat this. Say this being. This being. Is becoming. Is becoming. This being, this being, is upcoming, is upcoming. This being, this being, is forthcoming, is forthcoming. Listen, Lucian, this being is coming back for everything that they ever stole from me. My confidence, my self-esteem, my dignity and my sanity. Now is the time, Lucian, that we no longer stop. But we just take pauses. We don't look back, but we keep moving forward. So before you quit, 
Remember why you started. Lucien, remember why you lit your flame and remember why you sparked it. Remember why your peak is still worth climbing and why you can't stop. And why you've got to keep on climbing and why you can't stop. And why you've got to keep on shining and why you can't stop. And why you've got to keep on trying and why you can't stop. And why you've got to keep on fighting and why you can't stop. And why you've got to keep on smiling and why you can't stop. And why you've got to keep on thriving and why you can't stop, Lucian. And why you, you've got to keep on striving. I'm Poetess Jess. Thank you so much for having me on your show. That's what she said. I'm in bits. I'm in absolute bits. Uh, Thank you so much, Jess. You are a legend. You are it. I love you. Well, that was amazing. I was completely blown away. Got quite emotional towards the end. Um, And I want to thank Poetess Jess from the bottom of my heart because she has been a source of inspiration to so many. And she really did. She really did speak to my soul in this episode. I hope you enjoyed. Um, Look out for the next week's episode. I can't wait to share with you who is speaking with us next week. Take care. And until the next, that's what she said. Thank you for joining us on another episode of That's What She Said. This is a phenomenal collective of female voices from around the world. And I'm sharing that to empower women to share our stories so that you know that you are not alone. I'm a woman who's gone through it all. Honestly, there is nothing you can tell me that I haven't heard before, either with my clients or through my own life journey. And we need to stop hiding behind a veneer of perfection. These stories are important and we need to share them loudly and proudly. And that's what we're doing on this series of That's What She Said. Thank you for joining us. I have been your host, Lucienne Shakir, and it has been an absolute pleasure to spend my time with these phenomenal women. Thank you.